0: You're listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Lubbock, Texas. Redeemer Church is a gospel-centered missional family of disciples making disciples and churches planting churches. If you would like to get more information or donate to this ministry, please visit RedeemerLubbock.org. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Dusty, and I'm one of the pastors here at Redeemer. And I want to welcome you, whether you're online or you're in person. And what I want to do today, before we jump into our time in the Bible, is I would like to spend a moment praying for students. And that would be, you know, like a pre-K kid, you know, uh, elementary, junior high, high school, um, all the way to college students and med school and law school and all that, uh, that um, students are a big part of what we what we are about here. And we're really glad, I wanna welcome you. You're maybe new to town. That's really exciting at uh, LCU Tech, South Plains and, and you've descended on a Lubbock and this might be your first week here. And I'm so grateful that you are here in person or watching online. Um, what I wanna do is I wanna pray for you right now and also wanna pray for today's the first Sunday of our church plant in Wichita Falls, which that was a big part of the reason for the plant there is to reach students in, in Wichita Falls, Midwestern state. and and, um, and beyond there and they're gathering. They have several dozen adults and families and singles and they already a, a solid number of college students that are gonna be there today. So I wanna pray for, for them as they gather. So let's, uh, let's pray and let's ask the Lord. Lord, I'm just grateful for everybody you brought here. Everyone is a gift and um, whether families or singles or um, you know kids that are starting school um, this past week, and also college students that are brand new and their whole life is up in the air it probably feels like in a really exciting way and brand new relationships. Lord would you move in everyone, move in every family, move in every elementary and junior high and, and, um, and high school or move in, uh, move in our college students that there would be great connection connection to you, many of whom even would be uh, to a knowledge of the truth and uh, would know the grace of Jesus this week and make lifelong connections and and um, Lord, would you work powerfully, and even those that are in the middle of the long slog of med school and law school and other graduate, um, graduate degrees, that you would give them what they need. And Lord, bless, uh, bless Cody and that church that's getting going today, and um, you've already been building it. Lord, work among them, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, um, here's the, the topic today, is the topic is going to be finding family that's going to be the topic. We have discipleship rhythms that um, that we uh, some of our team have come up with on how we're going to be disciples of Jesus. Where we were last week was talking about uh, believing the gospel, which is the story of Jesus' death and resurrection. And then now we're going to be talking about finding family. Now here's what we're going to be doing that's a little unorthodox, is this passage today is really not about find, finding family per se, really at all. Like you heard it read, like there's a real strong warning part about here's how things go bad. And then the last part is about, okay, but here's how we're going to do things, um, at followers of Christ. But uh, you, know, you really could talk about anything. You could even talk about marriage today from this passage. You could talk about raising children or being a kid. You could talk about money. You could talk about sexuality. You could talk about finding family, especially in the context of the church. You could talk about any of those things. We're going to be zeroing in in terms of application on finding family And the reason why we're even in this chapter here is that we read five chapters a week together as a church. If you're new or if that's just kind of fallen off the radar a little bit, I want to invite you in that today God's Word is going to be front and center in this passage, but hopefully even as I communicate it. And that's where growth happens is putting yourself in the Bible. And I'd love for you to just join us, start or restart reading the Bible. You can go on our app. Click grow, grow Groups, or you can go back to our Next Steps table and grab a paper copy of our reading plan and just start. Start reading the Bible through with us. This is one of those five chapters. So um, here's going to be the barrier, though. On um, So we're talking about finding family on a passage that really isn't specifically about that, but it's very broad. Here's going to be the barrier. The barrier that we're going to run into today is going to be you, and it's going to be me. That we are going to be the biggest barrier to actually being a spiritual family, which is even another uh, another level of depth than just a regular friendship that uh, hopefully we're all uh, we all have or are going to be forming here in the next uh, little bit. For those of you that are new to our community, um, this is a, even another level of depth beyond that. Here's the biggest barrier: is that we are going to be prone to be selfish. And um, here's the, just to be very specific about it, here's the problem. So let's say I get up here and be like, hey man, this is gonna be incredible. Get in one of our small groups. You're gonna find connection. You can come find family. And the problem is gonna be that you may take us up on that and then you bring you, a selfish version of you in a community of people that bring their selfish version of them. And if that's all we're we're trying to do, we're just trying to find connection in that way, whatever Christian buzzword, family, community, that we're, we're certain to make a wreck out of it. if if there's not something else that's forming it, right? Um, Or even in the best cases, we're just going to click up with a few people we like and then disregard everybody else. And so um, I think we're going to hopefully find a different target today while we uh, look at this. So uh, let's go ahead and start off in verse 1 of 2 Timothy 3. It was just read, but I want to come back and go back through this and just kind of see what this selfishness looks like. So here we go. But understand this. and that in the last days, the last days would be starting really at the time of Jesus' death and resurrection up till now. So you're in the last days. This isn't one of these sermons going, man, it's going to get really bad in the future. Watch out. Watch out. That immunization may turn into a mark of the beast. Now, that, that isn't it. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to dive into stuff here. I'm just saying that the last days are now, All right, Like it's, it's this bad right now. And it was this bad 2,000 years ago. Then the last days there will come times of difficulty uh, for people will be uh, lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, um, ungrateful and unholy. All right, so I think that first phrase right there in verse two really frames this whole conversation. Bottom line, in the last days, and these are our days right now, that the biggest problem is going to be that people are going to be lovers of self. And you could really make a case, all the stuff in the next few verses really fits underneath that heading of what it means to love yourself. Bottom line is you love you some you, you know, I love me some me. They love them some them, you know, that that's us, that we, we really love us some us. And we think about ourselves a lot and in helpful and unhelp, unhelpful ways. And if you're like, well, in what ways? Okay, well, this passage, I'm glad you asked because the passage will kind of unpack some of those ways. Uh, lovers of money. That'd be one. Money is currency to spend on self. There's nothing like particularly compelling about a stack of paper or a lots of commas and zeros that accumulate in an account, be it an investment account or a bank account. Nothing particularly like awe-inspiring about that except for what those commas and zeros can do for you, what they can purchase for you, and comforts they can buy and problems they can eliminate. And um, you may be doing that now in your use of money or it could be deferring it for later spending on self. Um, that's one reason why generosity is an act of war against self-centered use of money. Um, we spent a lot of 2019 talking about generosity and our worth it initiative of um, you're, you're actually... Um, an act of war against that kind of selfishness, even in regards to money. And this whole sermon could be about money, but it's not. Uh, proud, arrogant, abusive—that—that um, um, that, that would uh, would typify typify one that has self in the center, disobedient to your parents. So, kids, if you're in here, you're watching online. Um, this would—it's—it's it's a selfish thing to disobey your parents. All right, now, parents, before you get on a high horse. You may see lots of this in you. What happens if, yes, you have a selfish kid, which I think most kids kind of start off that way. Sometimes when I hear people talk about how innocent and sweet kids are, and I'm like, have you had children? I mean, have you... I, I, maybe we had different experiences but uh but the reality is is they they've learned it well from those who've raised them right, and parents oftentimes are selfish, and you have that kind of interaction, and you can see why that would be combustible. Imagine marriage here, selfish people that enter in looking to have their deepest needs met each of them that they maybe not have not even stated, and then they marry. They, they themselves being uh, pretty self-centered, loving them some of them, and then they marry somebody else that's exactly the same, but with a different set of issues. That's going to go awesome. It really is. It's going to be incredible. It'll, it'll be a really fulfilling life. Those two will live. Um, so, so yeah, it just continues on. Um, ungrateful, unholy, like worldly. Verse three, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous. Um, social media, anybody? Um, and that kind of how that whole thing feels? I'm not one of these social media haters that like it's created all these bad things in people. I think the only thing that's different now than for when this was written 2000 years ago that if Bob had a hot take on anything at all, it was Bob and his spouse and his friends or whoever his fraternity brothers and whoever he wanted to talk to. Now Bob has all 27 of his followers that he can let them know exactly what he thinks on any number of topics. And oftentimes it's not very gracious and uh, slanderous, heartless even. Uh, there are people on the other end of these, um, of these little ads that you've got on Twitter and Facebook um, and maybe not really thinking about that. Um, without self-control... Why would someone that's all about self choose to put limits around self ever? I mean, really everything in our culture right now would say, hey man, it's all about you and anything that would like limit your expression of self is bad and throw the shackles of that off and you need to be you at every turn. And, um, and so whether it's religion or society or anyone else, you need to push back on those kind of things. If you're all about you, you're gonna push back on anything that could limit an expression of self, no matter how destructive that expression may be to you or to people around you. Um, that's, that's what we're gonna do. And that's exactly what's being pointed out here brutal. That's an interesting word. Not loving good. Let's keep going into verse four. We're having fun here, aren't we? Uh, Treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit. Um, It just continues on, right? Continues on with that same idea, like stab you in the back to move themselves ahead. This next one really got to me. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. You want to just put it there in a really clear term that I want to do what makes me feel good. I want to do what makes me feel good about me. And what could be good for you is kind of on the margin. What may be honoring to the Lord may be on the margin. This is what life looks like apart from grace right here. This passage, what we're talking about. Living for ourselves at every turn and every expression. So um, that is a, a pretty, um, pretty stark picture here that I think is, is put out. Verse 5 even puts another twist on this that, oh, by the way, a lot of the people claiming to do this are also claiming uh, to follow Jesus, some kind of profession of faith, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. All right, so that would mean, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Christian I'm brother Bob, you know, I'm brother Bob at the door that might, you know, greet you there and, um, you know, shake your hand, maybe a pastor, just church member, it could be anything. And there's a statement of, oh yeah, 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 I believe in Jesus. Uh, But then a denial of the transforming power of grace is really what this looks like. And it even goes on to say, this may sound harsh, but here's the advice that Paul gives to Timothy to give to his whole church, avoid such people. Now here's the thing, both Paul and, and Jesus himself, as they talk about, say that you can't pull yourself out of the world, all right? So in general, you shouldn't avoid broken people, otherwise you would avoid everyone and you would avoid yourself, all right? Um, Even on mission that we are sent as Christians, if you're a follower of Christ, to engage the lost world around you. But what this is saying is, is that there's probably nothing more toxic than someone that claims to be a Christian and yet is living for themselves at every turn, no matter what they say they believe, that their life is denial after denial after denial after denial of the power of God through Jesus' death and resurrection. And I've been saying, Luke, you should avoid them. And here's really what I think this is saying, is that, look, you actually do get to choose your friends, like your deepest points of connection. And you, you don't get to necessarily choose your roommate. You don't necessarily get to choose who you work with. Uh, but you actually do get to choose the people that you go deep with, and the community of your closest friends are gonna form you much more than you're often going to form them. And so this is saying be really careful here, uh, be really careful, and you need to avoid, avoid running real deep with people who are denying right and left. You need to be friendly, you need to be kind, you need to demonstrate the grace of Jesus, but running really deep in relationship, um, be really careful and you, you ought to probably avoid. And even these people had done these terrible things in these few verses with vulnerable people in their churches that could easily be led astray. And in the context of first and second Timothy are really talking about some of that. Okay, so here's what bothers me about, uh, about all of this is that, um, is that when I read this passage, that, um, that it's tempting to be like, oh man, I've seen that. I've seen that over the years here in the church and people are bad and yep, I've seen that. Here's what bothers me the most though about this text here in 2 Timothy is that I see traces of this in me when I read it. It bothers me. Like when I look at this, it really does because I don't think it's all that it means to be me and by God's grace, there has been growth and I think transformation and the power of what Christ has done and believing the gospel. Um, I do think those things are there But the reality is that selfishness has not departed from me that sometimes I can look at my wife, I can look at my children, and I think about that in terms of what, what they do for me. I mean, it's really tempting to be a leader and to exploit people that work for you and work with you and even customers and view it, view it almost transactionally. I'm, I'm here to get something from them, I'm here to get work from them, I'm here to get attendance from you or whatever, whatever a pastor would want. Or at your work, you're, you're looking for things from your employees, you're looking for things from your customers, you're looking for things from your in your fraternity, from your friends there, you're looking, looking in an exploitive way to get things for themselves. And that's exactly what this passage is talking about. So this is a really aggressive text that's saying, hey, look, um, the selfishness is real. And we have to be really, really careful. And you may be wondering, well, what does this have to do with being a family together? Like if we're called to be being a family, and again, this could be a sermon on marriage, or it could be a, a mar- uh, this could be a sermon on friendship. It could be a sermon on sexuality. It could be a sermon on money. It could be a sermon on lots of things. It could really go in any number of directions because what doesn't this touch? Our selfishness. But especially this time of the year, lots of us are like, okay, I've already talked to several people. They're like, all right, this is my first Sunday back in about five months, uh, or maybe last week was and like you're trying to re-engage life together as the church, worshiping regularly and even the relational side of it or you're brand new here, either one of these things. Here's the problem, if we don't address this um, we are going to have a target of finding friends or family or community, however that is and if we make that our target, if we make finding friends and Christian community or whatever buzzword uh, we wanna do, if we make that our target, we are almost certain to miss it because of our own selfishness and the selfishness of all the people Around us, We're almost certainly going to do it. And surely you've had experiences of this before. Like if I just got up here and said, yo, yeah, y'all just start making relationships and it'll be great. You've been turned off before by the Bible guy or girl where they just wanted to make you feel inadequate about whatever you knew about the Bible. And like you didn't maybe know it as well. And they could run circles around you with what they knew. And they're constantly making you feel inadequate. Or maybe the the self-professed real good guy or good girl. And you could just talk, you could hear them almost dripping with disdain is they talked about people who had made mistakes and you're like, man, boy, if they knew what I'd done, it wouldn't be a pretty picture. And like, it just all really rubbed you the wrong way or just flat out petty rivalries where somebody just didn't like someone else. And they started just tearing them down one brick at a time. And it's those kind of things right there where even quest for power within the church. And I mean, it could be a million different things, That if this isn't unaddressed, we enter into these communities, and then there's woundedness, and there's pain, and there's rejection, and then we leave even maybe more bitter than before. All right, so none of this has been good news, just if you're tracking here so far. Like, all this has been, like, really aggressive. The Bible has a really comprehensive picture for what's wrong with us. If you're like, what's wrong with people? Well, here you go, you know? And there are traces of it in me. There are traces of it in you. And um, here's where the transforming power of grace and why I believe the gospel has to be the driving thing if we're gonna f- find family. So let's look at verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you've learned. So this is Paul talking to young... Pastor Timothy, that he sent to Ephesus to really clean up uh, really a mess that perhaps Paul made with installing some elders that weren't all that great, Uh, continuing what you've learned and have firmly believed knowing from whom you've learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, that's the Bible, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So he's saying, look, you need to stay, Um, this whole thing isn't, hey, go find a small group. That's not the call here to Timothy, but it's like, go back to the Bible, Timothy, go back to the Bible, that, that thing that you were raised with. Not all of you were raised in church, but, but go, go back. Go back to that thing, Timothy, the Bible. The Bible is what you need. You started with that. That thing is able to make you wise for salvation. That, that's the antidote here, even to what's broken and selfish about who it is that we are. Um, and it's able to make you wise for salvation. Um, let's talk about that for a minute. Wise for salvation. Okay, so I want to tell you about an experience I had this week, because the Bible is going to describe a lot of things, but the central message of the Bible is how selfish people are reconciled to a gracious God through Jesus' death and resurrection. That's the storyline of the Bible. That's the gospel, which just means good news. I want to tell you about an exercise I had this week. I had a leadership development thing with some other pastors, and as we're unorthodox, um, you had to, like, get up and move around, and, and this guy that would guide it would talk and get you to even speak to yourself and all this other stuff at different perspectives. But this wasn't my exercise, but I was observing it. Uh, one of my pastor friends, that he put three cards on the, on the floor. One said ideal self, another said shadow self, and then the last one was put back here, which is your real self. And shadow self are like things that are messed up, flawed, broken about you. Ideal self is what you feel like you need to be so that people will will like you, you know, that they don't really want the, the real version of you, this real self back here that includes good and bad. But there's this other thing here that you wanna project to other people that everything is fine and good and nothing to see here, keep moving along, I'm awesome and all that, right? And and so it was interesting, my pastor friend was, um, he said, go stand back here at the real self version. He said, you know, talk over here, like what is it you see in your shadow? Uh, Like these flawed, broken parts of who you are. He said, okay, so walk me through what it is that you feel like you need to be here in your ideal self. And he began to talk, and he said, "Well, um, you know, can I ever lose my cool." I need to be a really good leader in terms of decision-making and strategy, uh, um, You a know, really good communicator in terms of a preacher, um, like a real compassionate friend um, for people that are hurting and struggling, and that I myself don't have problems and my family is, um, is buttoned down and our marriage is awesome and our kids are doing great, and, and, um, and you know, whatever it is, like all these kind of things. And the, the message that we all learn in life is that this one right here that people aren't going to accept all right, And we experience people here, everybody's trying to project this, my ideal self, that everything's great, and I'm doing great, and I'm happy, and everything's rolling along here. Um, but the reality is, deep down, uh, I think shame and guilt are a really big deal to all of us. And we know that this version here is what people want to see, but would they accept it? In fact, does, would God even accept me, given this reality right here? Well, here's what um, is so powerful for people like us that can tend to want to project a self that's even different than us, what it means for Timothy to go back to the Bible that can make him wise for salvation, the clear message of the Bible is that it's not this, this ideal self right here that Jesus died for. All right, It's this one right back here. All right, this one, the one that's flawed, the one that's broken, the one that has a past, the one that has been the goody goody that thought they were better than everybody, um, the one that was the elite Bible scholar that liked to put people in their spot, the one that's made mistake after mistake, the one that's blown up some relationships, the one that's struggling in their marriage, the one that's brand new in Lubbock and is scared and not real sure which direction they're going to go in. In fact, he's already lived it up a little bit and they didn't really want to do that, but they have. Like that version of you is the one that. The the Bible says that Jesus came to die for. I mean, how great is that? Shame and guilt disarmed by the power of grace. That's what Christ has done through the cross. That all right now, now if we walk through that door and believe the gospel, now can you see how we might reapproach Christian family and Christian relationships, and maybe not destroy them? Because what happens if this, however imperfectly, if here we are with our real self? is can you imagine the power of grace if we're able to look at someone else and say, hey, that version right there, I'm not real interested in, but this one right here, I love and accept, I do. Now, next verse though, next verse, we are gonna challenge each other. And even that next verse is that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and training in righteousness. Like we may call each other out whenever we walk over here into the shadow and be like, hey, that right there is going to wreck you. Okay, all right, and then and then yet, but there's still this love and this acceptance, even whenever we're struggling and even whenever we sin, that the real self can be affirmed. And if the real self can be affirmed by God's grace, guilt and shame disarmed. Um, can you imagine now how we can reapproach relationships in a way that's not exploitive, but instead loving? instead of rejecting those who aren't kind of our boy, you know, that we can do the rest of our life with or our girl that you're going to be best friend. Like you can still engage people even if you don't have common interests. I mean, it's really incredible. So um, to avoid bearing the lead here, I just want to be really clear that if you want to find family, you're going to have to start with a different target and that's believing the gospel, all right? A trust in Jesus's grace and then we're ready to reapproach family in a way that we won't destroy. Well, even if you think that Paul's just talking idealistically here, um, I think it's pretty incredible that the next chapter, he starts going through it and he starts talking about all this betrayal, people that have left the faith, and it's actually referred to in the passage we read that have went around and have, they've misled people and people have just stabbed him in the back. He's experienced all of the ugliness of humanity and whatever terrible church train wreck you've experienced, he experienced it more. Uh, but even in the middle of that, he would say things like um, like in, in verse 11 of chapter 4, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring with him uh, with you, for he's very useful for me. So in the middle of all that betrayal, he's like, Luke hasn't departed from me. Mark hasn't departed from me. Perhaps this ideal self, right? I mean, the the real self has been loved. Uh, Paul's real self has been loved and affirmed in the middle of all this with all of his brokenness and everything else. Uh, And you could even make a case that perhaps um, the love and acceptance that God's people demonstrate while we work out things and while we're selfish and while we're growing and while all that's true may be the most tangible reminder of what Paul says in verse 17 in chapter four, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it, where he's able to say, I've been betrayed. People have left me left, right and left, but I've got a couple of people that have stayed with me that have reminded me that the Lord has not departed from me at all. So here's the thing, y'all. If we set community and family as our target, we're gonna miss, we're gonna miss it. This is what's unique about spiritual relationships. If you're not a Christian, you're trying to make sense. I'm saying something more here than find friends at Redeemer, even though I hope you do. I hope you find friends in your, your new things you're connecting to right now. I hope you have some friends. I hope you do. That's great. Friendships are really valuable. But this is a call in Christian community to find family that's different and that's spiritual and that's reaffirming of this that Jesus Christ demonstrated his love to us in this way that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. And we are living that out. We are demonstrating that. You can even see it in the previous chapter in 2 Timothy 2, verse 22. It says, so flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. So this is a pursuit of God and reflecting him in how you live. And listen to this, along with those who call on the Lord. So yeah, now now we're doing Christian family. Um, We're following Jesus together and we're doing it along with the other ones who are are calling on the name of the Lord. If you wanna put this in really simple terms, The question isn't really, are you going to find friends? Because you're going to find friends, right? You already have some friends. That's not the question. The real question as we start the fall is this. is, um, Is it going to be about you or is it going to be about Jesus? That's what it comes down to. We're going to live for self. Or instead, are we going to go back to God's word that makes us wise for salvation and encourages us and corrects us and fuels us, and then we, we can reapproach life in every way, including finding our friendships? So let me let me pray for us and ask for the Lord to, to root this deeply in our soul. Lord, would you um, would you make these things real and deep and true in us? Would you provide grace for the hurting in here and for the lonely and even for the burned who've had terrible experiences with Christians and churches and perhaps that's why they've either walked away from the faith or have been really reluctant to embrace it, that, um, that the disarming power of grace, that you would love and accept us, the real version of us because of Christ, because of his death and resurrection, would be believed on and transform every soul. And I pray that in Jesus' name, amen.